Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Mi gente, we don't have just one or two or three people on the show. We got four people on the show today because I am hosting the incredible Mujeres of Level of Latina on the show. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. My God, it's such an honor to have you here. I'm so excited. I know we're all excited. I lost my voice just like <laughs> thinking about it, okay? So I'm so The universe just doesn't want to let you be great. Mm-hmm, girl. She's so hyped. She's been screaming about it all weekend. She's hyped. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Super excited to have you here. Y'all don't probably realize this, but the work that you're doing is such an inspiration to so many people in our community. Y'all are OGs in this space, okay? So first off, let me just give you your flowers, say thank you on behalf of my community and everybody who has had the fortune of finding your voices, your platform, because I know I can speak for myself and many folks who tune into my show that this space that you've created on the internet is so desperately needed because we need permission to show up unapologetically, whether that's in our careers, in our personal lives, just for ourselves. And so y'all are helping us level up in all the ways. And so thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you. We are just so honored and humbled to hear that. Thank you for being a partner in this work. 
We were just meeting with someone who came from New Jersey to our event. We had a small, intimate brunch, 40 people, beautiful weekend. And we were like, what, New Jersey? So we had to take this amazing woman to dinner. And she said, and thank you. Thank you for your guest. Thank you for your guest. She's like, I'm addicted to the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast because y'all had her on. And I was like, that's what this is about, baby. So it goes both ways, the admiration and the appreciation. Thank you. And you know, I think that's a really key point to highlight that I am proud of what you do and what we do because I think there's a lot of misguided belief that by us elevating each other, that somehow that's going to take out of our pockets, that's going to take out of our success, right? It's crabs in a barrel mentality where you can't do better than me. And that's all bullshit, y'all. There's like so much room for all of us to rise together. So anybody who just isn't about the community, they make themselves known very quickly. And we must stay away from those folks because they ain't about it. I couldn't agree more with you. I feel like juntas, we're stronger and we're not about like celos, you're better than me. Like, no, we each have our story, our journeys, and why not share them? Why not be role models for the younger generation? I wish we had something like this. I wish we had podcasts. I wish we had coaching when we were growing up, when we were in our 20s and navigating life. Hell yeah. <laughs> we need all the help we can get, but that's why we're here. So let's dive into each of your individual stories just so that we can get to know y'all. Because I think obviously as a collective, people know you as a brand, but it's fun to get to know the mujeres behind the scenes on an individual level. So Ceci, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what inspired you to start to show up in this way for La Comunidad? Definitely. So I am Ceci. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. I'm currently living in San Francisco. I am the oldest in my family. I was the first to go to college. I was the first to navigate it all. That's why I was saying, oh my God, I wish we had something like this when we were navigating our own journeys. So first to go to college, first to go to law school, first lawyer in the family. So I had a lot of pressures growing up. I felt at least that I couldn't fail I felt that I needed to be that role model for all my little cousins and mis hermanos and everyone. And so that pressure was on for sure. Now, as I'm getting older, I realize like, oh, shit, that was hard. Starting my career as a lawyer here in San Francisco, where there's not a lot of lawyers that look like me. And I've said this on our own podcast, but going into depositions or court hearings and being confused for the interpreter. Oh, are you the interpreter? Having to deal with that, now I'm working, obviously, with Level of Latina, but I'm also working at a nonprofit legal aid here in San Francisco, helping La Comunidad, helping Latinos, helping in their own language. That's kind of one of the main reasons why I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to make sure that people like us had representation in their own language because the legal system is so complex as it is. So I wanted them to understand in their own language. So that's a little bit of what I'm doing. I'm live in San Francisco with my family, my husband, and I have twin daughters. They're five and a half now. And we started three years ago when we started Level of Latina. I was taking a break from practicing law and I wanted us, I wanted a partner. I didn't want to do it alone. I knew Vero and Irene were like unas chingonas and great leaders in their respective careers. And I wanted to partner up with them because I knew that all three of us together, we could be big, grow something really special And I really feel and believe that that's what we're doing. We wanted to help women. We wanted them to navigate their careers with more ease and to have someone to talk to and relate to. Yeah, I love that. It's like the internet primas that we never had. Hell yeah, we'll be your mama, tu comadre, tu amiga, tu enemiga, lo que quieras aquí para servirte bien. 
I love that. Irene, let's dive into your story. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. And also, how did y'all meet? Because I'm not aware of that. That's a wonderful segue. And you went in a wonderful order because as Ceci's telling her story, she came to me with the idea of this and I came to Veto with the idea of this. But all of us are equal partners, equal friends, because we all met together freshman year of college at the best university, UC Santa Barbara, baby. Yes, it's a party school, but we also had fantastic grades. And Veto there ran an amazing organization called Hermanas Unidas. And so we loved everything she did and to keep it real relevant like at that time we jocked everything she did like no one says that now but we were totally on her jock and she was our first taste of hermandad sisterhood being partners in business and then it was a club in college but it was a lot like business so that's our origin story as three women that became friends and continue to be friends the business story was a little more complex when Ceci was taking her break from law, I was returning from a year abroad with my family. I was on a sabbatical traveling like a crazy person. I had just sold everything 18 months prior and taken my three children that now I think it's nuts because they were 11, six and seven. And I look at 11, six and seven year olds and I was like, wow, <laughs> wow, like that was wild. But I'm glad that I've never really had that bone that keeps me from doing things. I think my mom was just such a brave woman, even though she was really afraid. And so we have fear as Latinas. Sometimes our parents try to keep us safe. She was afraid of things, but she was also super courageous. So she couldn't tell me to not be courageous because she was courageous. She came here, first grade education is all, I think kinder was it, and built a life, raised six kids, single parent, homeowner. Like She was courageous, so I had no business being courageous, but I guess I get that from her. So I get back, I'm like, what am I going to do now? I was really able to keep my career going. I'm a nonprofit CEO by trade. I run a youth organization that helps kids be the first to go to college, like Beto, myself, and Ceci. And so... I got to keep my career. I got to go abroad and be abroad, working abroad before it was cool, before a pandemic. Thank God, before a pandemic. And Ceci was like, I want to do something more. I want to go beyond. I want to fulfill a different niche in our calling. And together, it was like Level of Latina. It was a podcast. It was coaching. It was all the things that, yeah, we needed. As a nonprofit CEO, I was working with a lot of women that were like 10 years younger than me. I don't try to be a vehicle for supporting these women, however they may be, free or paid, honey, we'll give you what you need. They're going to make the same mistakes I made. And though mistakes are good, and this weekend we were talking about how on the other side of failure is breakthrough, and you've got to thank your failures, and all this shit that doesn't work out actually works out. Why make it harder for people? Why have 10 fucking years figuring it out? I've been married 20 years, and I'm barely figuring out how to like, I should let that go. So my next growing up should be to tell couples that are first starting out, like, let me talk to you about all those shitty fights you're going to have for 20 years. So we were doing things the hard way, and Level Up Latina was about, let's make it easier for the mujeres coming up after us. And what we found, what we found, which is really special, is that mujeres right next to us and mujeres older than us needed this coaching too, and this support too. And that was kind of the evolution of our tagline, which is guilt-free evolution. We all have stuff we got to get over. Oh my gosh. I am obsessed. It's so true. And I love the fact that you guys are reaching so many different demographics within our own community, right? Because the first generation experience is different than maybe my mom's experience, but there's fucking trauma there too. And if we don't address it in all the generations that have come before us and the ones that are going to build our own legacies, we can just end up continuing to perpetuate a lot of these cycles that are keeping us small. All right. So Vero, I know you struggling, girl. The Ursula's trying to steal your voice because you have important things to say, but we're going to get through it. I'm on a godfather. That's how important this message is. Limited words. I love to talk, but today we're going to have to keep it short. 
Well, my story, like the girls have mentioned, first generation we met in college, very influential mujeres up to this point in my life as well. For me, after college, I really wanted to be a psychiatrist, continue to go to school. I ended up changing my major to sociology and I was like, I'm going to figure something out with sociology, maybe grad school after college and we'll see. But then my first job got me hooked in business. I ended up working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car and I was hooked with just understanding how people think when it comes to spending money. And when I would observe the different uh, demographic that would come into my office, I noticed that Latinos were always the ones that never cared how much they spent. I worked mostly with white and like maybe a few black people in our offices, but there was like, here comes a Latino family. You can take that money. And I was like, oh, hell no. Right. So it started helping me understand how we spend money as Latinos, how I spent money, because it was also the first job out of college. And it really got me hooked on wanting to do business. So I loved what I was doing. I learned about the business inside and out. And it's something that they do by training their management team, which I know doesn't, a lot of corporate companies don't do that across the board. But I realized early on how important it is to invest in your people. So anyway, long story short, I kept working for these big companies. I went from Enterprise to Toyota to McMaster Car. Then I went on for my own with a smaller company. And it was a sporting company, a jiu-jitsu company. So a jiu-jitsu organization was also, everything I went to do was all male-dominated. All of it. We have a say. We women know what we're talking about. I didn't know nothing about jiu-jitsu, but I knew about business. And what they wanted me to do was grow their business. So I was like, let me get down and dirty. Let me talk to these people. What do they need? And they didn't want to talk to me because when I was in Portuguese, I didn't speak like them. I didn't sound like them. Maybe right now a little bit. But at the end of the day, I really had to pave my way. I noticed that a lot of women just kept having to pave their own way and didn't have someone they could turn to. So all in all, my experience came from more of a corporate side. So no matter what industry you were coming from, there weren't those people that made it easier in a sense to help you move up and level up. The exception of a few that I'll tell you. For Irene, she had white men that were like, come on, mujer, let's get you up. For me, it was like black women. And Ceci también, her boss was like, hey, Bob, it was like, hey, Venta says, let's do this. So with the help of them, we were able to do these things, but there wasn't anyone else. Like, I noticed everyone around me was just quitting or giving up or just moving on because there wasn't that support. And with Level of Latina, I know that Ceci's experience was like the motherhood aspect of it. And I was just becoming a mom. For me, if I ever go back to work, because I know that when I had babies, I was going to leave my career. And it was a very bold choice because I know a lot of us talk about, we can do both, we can do both. But I wanted to do one. I want to really focus on raising a family. Just because I have a lot of other things to work on. If I neglect this part, my poor kids are going to be assholes, right? So long story short, me wanting to start a business, I was like, I want to start a business where I work with women and bring them up. And it just so happened that as we're connecting about that, Irene was going on sabbatical and I had told her, I want to start a business. But she was always like, start it. I'm going to support you. Start it. That's the kind of people you need on your team. The people are going to tell you, go, echale ganas. I got your back. And if you need anything, I'm right here for you. And it just still turned out that we have each other for that. I love that story. That's incredible. I feel like these types of scenarios, it's only divine intervention, the universe placing y'all in the same space in the same time with the same kind of overarching message to want to help that y'all were brought together to create what is now an incredible company. Okay. First off, I want to know what is the struggle, the catalyst for your own personal change that led you to then want to create change on a greater impact? Because I think many of us experience that life altering moment or scenario where it's just something's got to fucking change. And this shit needs to start with me. 
And then in that process of the self-development and the work, we realize how important it is to now get this message out there, right? And so we'll start off with you, Ceci. What was that one moment, that one thing that impacted you to the point where you're like, I need to first work on me and then help other women start to do that same work? I became a mom. I was working long ass hours and I, to some degree, like bowed down to that, like working the long hours and being an attorney and like being there till 7 p.m. And I did that even through the first almost two years of marriage. I was exhausted and we didn't have children at that point. But when I became pregnant and I had twins and I knew that, well, at that point I was like, oh, should I be taking time off? I'm missing like my kids when I'm at work. And also when I get home, they're asleep by that time. I, I'm missing out and some other person is raising my kids. And that's when I thought to myself, this isn't right. It shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't feel like that. And I was dreading going to work. I wasn't thriving anymore. And I recognized that, but it took several months, I think, to recognize that. In fact, I'll say it probably took up to two years because I didn't stop working at my prior firm until my daughter's turned two years old. And it was then that I thought like, okay, before I start or do anything, I need to really take this time to be a mom. I really wanted to be that mom, take them to the museum, take them to the library. And I got that. I got to experience that during those two years, which was also the time that we grew and started Level Up Latina. So that was a point in time where for sure, I needed something else and I needed to make sure that I was taking care of myself so I could take care of my girls. That's a very difficult decision. And I can imagine, was there a financial impact of making the decision from walking away from like a lucrative corporate career to then work at a nonprofit organization? Because we all know nonprofit doesn't pay. Yeah, I think that's why I was dreading it and thinking about it and not really understanding how I was going to sustain our family. I was the main breadwinner that time. My husband was a PhD student. He did get some money from the school, but it wasn't enough to sustain our entire family. Especially not in San Francisco. <laughs> oh, geez. No, definitely not. So we had always talked about wanting to live in Mexico for some time. And that's the decision that we thought about. This is the time, like right now, you're going to be on a sabbatical or take some time off from practicing. He was still a student. And in fact, he had been working with folks in Mexico City for research for his dissertation. So we're like, all right, let's do it. The fall of 2019, we moved out of our apartment, put our stuff in storage, and we went to Mexico City for six months. And we loved it. And we were able to sustain the life that we had here, but in Mexico City, he was finishing up his research and I was still doing Level Up Latina and doing our podcast from abroad. So that was a really, really cool experience. That's incredible. And then talk me through kind of the transition to coming back to where you were originally based out of and how your life evolved from the point when you left. So we left, we come back, I kid you not, week and a half before shelter in place. The pandemic starts March of 2020. And luckily, we had found Airbnb. Let's stay there a month and then we'll figure it out. My husband was going to graduate with his degree and then he was applying to fellowships in the area. So we didn't know what city we were going to end up in. So we decided, look, let's just go back to San Francisco, get an Airbnb and then figure it out once you know where your fellowship will end. And by this time, you know, we were still doing the podcast, but we get back, the pandemic happens and Everyone was stuck at home. My husband ends up doing his dissertation via Zoom, which was a big deal and crazy because he always thought like, oh, I'm going to have my graduation. I'm going to be able to do this. And 
it was something very, very unthought of. And so we come back and we keep on extending the Airbnb until finally we're still here. I mean, this is it. This is it. We end up talking to the owner and he said, it makes more sense for us to be working directly for us to rent you the place rather than us paying fees to Airbnb. You guys are paying the monthly fee to Airbnb. Like, let's just work together. We started renting the top unit. Now we have a whole house with a backyard and we were able to continue working from home and everything. So we ended up back in the city that we love where we work and our girls get into preschool also here in the city. So it just worked out. Again, Level Up Latina, we were doing everything Zoom. We were meeting with our clients via Zoom, and it just worked out. A year and a half ago, I started kind of craving my profession again. I started looking for part-time stuff. I'm like, oh, let me ease into it. And this opportunity presented itself, the nonprofit, and I applied, and I'm really enjoying it. I still have a lot on my plate, but I feel like with my job, it's flexible enough and it's hybrid where I can basically do it all. Be the mom, the level of Latina coach, the lawyer that the department needs. I want to commend you for making a scary decision, right? Because I think our families instill in us that you must secure stability at all costs. It don't matter if your mental health is getting fucked up. It doesn't matter as long as you're making the big bucks. That's all that matters. And so making that decision to really prioritize your family, to prioritize yourself and to get intentional about the life that you design versus just being a victim of it. I think that's an incredible message that a lot of people need to hear because things work out, but you got to have faith and you got to put your shit together, right? You got to have that plan for what you want and then just unapologetically go after it. For sure. When I left my prior firm, my mom, my aunts were like, are you sure? That's crazy. But that's such a good position and that's such a good firm and I said yes this is what I want to do this is what I want to do and thank god that I have this profession where I can take some time off and then just jump back into it yeah absolutely all right Irene tell us your pivotal moment that is a beautiful question and there's a lot of similarities actually to Ceci's journey she was on sabbatical about 18 months after I was on sabbatical. And what happened for me as I was making that transition, I got the same criticisms from my family. They thought it was wild. They thought it was crazy, but they always knew that I was different. And I always felt that I was battling against that security first, stability first, even if you're unhappy, what you just spoke to. My husband had this incredible job for UCLA for six years. And the only reason I mentioned that is because my mom understood what UCLA was because I was born there. That's the only reason she thought there was stability there. She had no idea if he hated his job, if his commute was 90 minutes for 17 miles, if he liked the job but also hated the job. Like She didn't care. She just knew that she didn't want my husband to go on this wild sabbatical. She pulls him aside and says, and this is not her kid, is someone extorting you? Why would you both quit your jobs? Are you being extorted? And it's like, senora, we're dreaming. <laughs> and it's like, no, están locos. My pivotal moment was that you're darned if you do, you're darned if you don't. I was going to be judged by my critical ass family anyway, because they saw me as this big shot nonprofit CEO. My mom didn't know what I did, but she knew that I was the boss. It was like stable enough. Then he gets his job at UCLA. So that's bougie enough. They don't even know. You could be drowning in debt, not making a lot of money, hating your job, right? Like you said, they don't really know what your life is. So for them to see us uproot our life, there was criticism anyway. 
And after I got back and I survived and I was okay, girl, I was like, I need to tell more people about this lifestyle. It's okay to rebel. It's okay to do what you want. It's okay to go after your dreams. It's okay for your mom to hate you for the first six months of it. The sabbatical changed my life because it made me closer to my family. It made me closer to my immediate family, obviously, because I'm protecting them in a way and bonding with them in a way that it was just us 24-7. We were ready for a pandemic, believe it or not. It made my office culture ready, my nonprofit that I've been running for many years. I went abroad. We had to be creative. We had to be innovative. My bosses didn't want me to leave. They didn't want me to quit. My husband and I resigned on the same day and UCLA was like, bye, you can train your replacement tomorrow. I kid you not. My board president was like, no, we'll give you a year. Get it out of your system. Like, we love you. If you don't want to come back, we support you. They were like, if you don't get it out of your system in a year, then don't come back. We took the year as our year marker, but they were very supportive of me coming back. So we had these different journeys, but there was criticism. But also within that criticism, I just went for it and I got my office completely ready for remote work. And then this pandemic happened. So we were better than ever better than ever because we had gone through this because we test piloted with their CEO working in Colombia, working in Uruguay, working in Peru. So I had this amazing experience and this amazing journey, but I had to be judged by my family. I had to be criticized constantly. I remember my husband, my brother-in-law says to my husband, and he meant well, like I would never do that to my kids, take them out of school. I would never disrupt their lives. I can't believe you're doing this to your kids. And another uncle said, we run away from third world countries. Why would you want to go live in them? There was just heat from all sides. And I was proud of what we were doing. No one understood us and we understood we wanted to do it. And if you know me, you know now that like travel is my lifestyle. I'm going to be traveling many multiple times a year and it's our lifestyle. And if I would have listened to the naysayers, I would not be living out my fullest life. What I want, what brings me joy, what I want my kids to see me doing, which is doing what I want to do in spite of what my parents think. I want my kids to see that. So when I think of my own kids, I think of the other women that we support. And that's why La Vala Platina is so important. I want them to have examples of real people that put their ass on the line, do courageous things so that they can have a little courage of their own. Not perfect people. I've messed up that pandemic. I could have been divorced, honey. I could have lost a kid. Like it was not easy, but I did it. And I want the women in La Vala Platina to know that they can do it. So my breakthrough was that I went through this incredible experience and I thought not enough people have permission to do the things that bring them joy. Not enough people give themselves that permission. Not enough people listen to their gut, figure out who they are, what their calling is. And you said it earlier, design the life that'll make them happy. I'll probably work at a nonprofit for the rest of my life because I just can't let it go. I love it. It fills me. It brings me joy. It gives me the ultimate autonomy. I'm paid for big decisions and that's what I'm paid for. But there were years where I was paid to take out the trash and make the copies. But I freaking earned my rightful place in leadership there. And I love it. I love the leadership that I have there. But that doesn't mean that's, that's all I I am. That's not all I am. I'm an author. I'm a traveler. I'm a parent. I'm a person. I'm a Mexicana. I can be whatever the fuck I want to be, right? But it takes fucking up, making failures in your life and going for it. So I wanted to give that to other women and show them that you can do what makes you happy, even if it's 10 fucking things. I know everybody who's listening to this right now is like snapping, clapping, high-fiving. Yes. So here for this message. Let's dive into the financials of taking a sabbatical because that shit is not easy. And I would love to know what you did in order to make that a reality. I love that you asked that question because that is the question that needs to be asked. You can't look at other people and think like they're lucky. My husband and I saved so much money, it would make your head spin. Because you were talking about this for a while. Yes. Oh my God. My husband and I, our story is long-winded and I won't bore you, but when we were going to get married, we were both like, we're not going to go on a honeymoon. We're going to go to the Peace Corps together because I've been a traveler my whole life. But I got pregnant, girl. I got pregnant. It was worth it. 
as it happened, so I ran off and got married in Maui and the rest was history. Like no one was on this Peace Corps journey. But think about that. Every year we talked about how that was important to us. My son was growing a year older and a year older and a year older and he was going to go to middle school. And it's like this dream, why should we be freaking retired to have it? We can design our lives. We're taking these kids with us. We're doing it with them. So we saved money for so many years. And again, here's where the criticism came. And you probably heard this on our podcast. If you're a level of Latino listener, my husband drove this 1994 Honda Civic. I swear to God, it was like a Flintstone car. Like he had to push it because it didn't start because he would not buy a new car because we were going on sabbatical one day. There were many years where I didn't travel and I was just itching to go, but I knew I have in my back pocket that I'm going to be gone for a year in about three years. So we put so many things on hold to save money. We didn't buy the house in Redondo Beach that we could have bought. I've always lived in Redondo Beach. It's important to me to live here, but I'm not a homeowner here and I'm okay with that. I'm a renter here, but this is a lifestyle I want. I love this lifestyle. I have plenty of money to live a great life. We didn't buy We rented. And that identity was hard for my family. They wanted us to be homeowners. So the sacrifice that it took to go on sabbatical was knowing that all that savings could have been two houses here. But no, it was the security blanket to go to reestablish ourselves. God is good. I got to keep my job. So I was still paid remotely. And I was working more as I was transitioning back. So it took a lot of savings. It took a lot of delayed gratification. It took a lot of days of thinking, are we ever going to get to this dream? And the truth is you do, but you have to also cut the bullshit out because As we were saving for this dream, I kept getting promoted, kept having more income. My husband kept making more money. But that shit is the devil. That is the devil. Right. You could easily just keep spending it. Honey, and it ain't a lot of money. It ain't a lot of money. My dream is bigger. They better give me 10 times the money to not go on this sabbatical. So we had to keep checking that idea that just because we're growing our careers and making more money doesn't mean that we don't have this dream. So I gave up the NAD position several times because I kept thinking my dream is to travel, not to necessarily become the executive CEO here. But it took, again, for those listening, knowing what you want, don't get deviated by things that are not what you want. If you don't want to buy the house, don't buy the house. If you do, more power to you. If you don't want to get the big title, the name on the door and all that, don't or get it in your time. So I knew I don't want to get distracted by the shiny stuff. So we drove that 1994 Honda Civic, honey. We pushed it. And when we sold it, it was one of the last things we sold before we left. We're so proud of that janky ass car. I mean, the kids in front of us had a Tesla. We live in Redondo Beach. I know we were embarrassing our kids. The people didn't know. Well, we about to be gone for a year, homie, to each their own. But be okay with knowing that it takes your time. It's on your schedule. It takes money. You can save that money smartly. We went with no credit. We did not use credit. People could look and think, oh, they used their credit cards. Uh, No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We had one credit card because we needed to rent cars to get points. And now we're like the point family and credit cards and everything because of points. And there's a whole strategy, not this episode, but that was hard earned money, savings and a safety net for when we got black and money because we got to send kids to college. So it took a lot of years, but it was well worth it. I love that perspective. Anybody that you see who's doing like amazing things has that sacrifice, has that backstory that we just don't get to see because it's not publicized. It's not sexy. Driving around 1994 car is not sexy. But if that's what it's going to take for you to get to your fucking dream, who cares? It's totally worth it. Absolutely. Girl, I'll tell you what's not sexy. An Astro van, okay? (laughs) I drove that for years. And everyone's like, why? Why? I'm like, well, I'm not going to go pay $500 a month for a car. So. Facts. Vero, tell us your pivotal moment. Oh, man. I've had two very pivotal moments, especially professionally. I mean, personally, I mentioned being the rebel. Being the youngest in the family kind of allows for us to be that. We just question everything. And I've been that since the beginning. I didn't mention earlier in my introduction. 
I grew up in Watts, born in East LA. My dad moved, we bought a house in Watts and we moved to Watts in 84. So prime Crips, Bloods, drive-bys and run-bys because it would jump our back fence. So it was a very unique place to grow up, especially being immigrants and like first generation family, right? But I think everything starts where you came from. So currently I live in Compton and I always felt like I wanted to come back to the communities where I grew up and spend my money here. So my pivotal moments, before I go into that, were my first job. I had been there for six years, straight out of college, loved it. I was a manager, working my way up to be an area manager and had a great team. I was making great money. Thankfully, within that time frame, I had a big story at that time too. Like I was engaged. I ended my engagement totally against the first generation thing. Like my parents were like, yes, she's finally going to get married. Yes, she's not gay. I'm like, who cares if I was? But the point is that they were happy that I wasn't. And they were like, yes, we're going to have grandkids because I was the last in my family to have kids. So it was just all these yeses for them. But for me, it was just not right. So it's trippy because right around the time that I ended my engagement, that happened in September. By December, I was let go of the company that I loved working for, that I felt like I gave my youth to. And they were kind of like that boyfriend that you kind of know that there's issues with, but you just don't break up with them because we can make it work. So that was the first time it happened. And thankfully, throughout this time, my fiance and I had been saving and we weren't saving together. We were saving separately. And a good thing to say is I bought my little house in Compton back in 08. In 2009, after the 2008 recession, I get it for $178,000. Then money is more than it is now, right? You feel like the money now is more than it is tomorrow. So I was like, do you have money? And he had high, high debt. And he's like, I have some. I was like, look, I have money saved. This is my way because I was never about that girl that was like, one thing about me, rebel, I don't give a damn. I, I like you and we have a good time. I will sleep with you. Not kidding, just kidding. I was living life. Like Ceci and Irene got married young and like a lot of my friends were getting married around me like their life was happening. But one day I will have that. This is just not my time. So when Irene's saying it's not your time, you follow your timeline. It is legit. I've been very about my timeline and a lot of the things I've done in my life, people don't agree with. When I get in my engagement, I bought this house with this dude and I put most of the down payment in. This is just my way to show you my commitment to one another. We might not move in together yet, but I know that I have a ring on my finger. I'm expected to get married, but I have this money. Let's use it. Well, I still saved money. Thankfully, that job that let me go in December, exactly my six years where I was fully vested with the company. Like I knew when you walk into your first job out of college, you don't know what 401ks are. You don't know how to put that money into investing it. You don't know how to save money. You just came out of having $2 in your bank account. You're like, I have a paycheck. Then you go into this habit of paycheck to paycheck. But I learned my lessons along the way. I drove my Astro van. I worked my butt off to become a manager because once you became a manager, you can get a TD car. So you drove any car you wanted off the lot every day. So I knew I didn't have to buy a car. In many ways, I was saving money and that money helped me when they let me go. They were like, we can't give you unemployment. We can't give you this. I'm like, but I just gave you six years of my life. And they're like, sorry, bye. So thankfully, I have a fiance, I had all these bills to pay. And that was the first time I was like, I'm so glad that my mom, especially my brother, you can have a beautiful car, but you can't live in your car when you're on the streets. You have to make sure you have a roof over your head, whether you buy it, but you make sure you have a roof over your head. And thankfully with that, and my mom always saying, if you have $10, you save two. If you have 100, you save 10. Whatever it was, save something. So I always saved a little bit of cash and that pulled me through to find my next job. And thankfully, I was recruited because they saw where I came from. They're like, we want you. The job after that came from people building relationships with the people that I had in the first job. So that was one of the first pivotal moments. My last one where it really made me want to 
changed it was when I got let go, when I was pregnant, I was coming back from maternity leave and my bosses were like, I was like checking in. I'm like, hey, I'm coming back March 1st. This is two weeks before March 1st. They're like, why don't you come into the office on Friday? We'll talk about it. I go to the office expecting to talk about what's going on. What do I need to fix, right? Because I was managing this organization. So pretty much the gist was, you don't have a job anymore. You don't have a job here anymore. What are you going to do? And girl, when I said I would go against the grain and always a rebel, I was pregnant. I had a baby daddy, but I didn't have a husband. Thankfully, I had a house, I had a car, and then I had a job that paid me really well, but I wasn't going to have this job anymore. But what I did along the way was, you always prep for that rainy day. You always prep for that thing. And even along the way, if you really want something and you want, you design that life you want, you always picture like, where do I want to be? How do I want to live life? And I always had those talks to myself, being the single girl, going out, spending money, traveling. I'm going to stay the night over here because I just got drunk and I'm having a good time. I was living life. I had a great time. I would fly to the Bay to see my friends every other month. I was living. I loved it. But when it came down to it, I would have these conversations with myself. I was like, dang, if I end up pregnant by one of these hot dudes, what am I going to do? If I end up doing this, like, what am I going to do? So I always had those conversations with myself and I was very clear on my path. If this happens, these are my options. I already thought about and considered and they're very me. So when all of that happened, baby daddy became husband now, but I didn't have him to rely on, him to count on with the money or anything like that. So I'm very glad. I still had my mortgage. I had my car that was thankfully paid off. But all these other things, I had paid off my student loans already. You had put yourself in a financial situation where like shit could go down and you were going to be all right. Exactly. And that's what I preach to my clients. I'm like, live life and all that, but always know that you're set. Pay yourself first. Take care of you first because we are always, especially as Latinas, put ourselves last. Where can I be there for my everybody else but me? So I had to flip that. And no one likes it, especially your parents your honey boo-boo, your baby daddy, all of that. And then those people that were not allowing me to just really take care of me eventually fall off. They feel like you're not giving me the attention. You're not giving me what I need. Well, let me give myself what I need and then let me worry about you. I love that message because I think you're so right. We got to serve everybody else before we even get to eat a fucking meal. From the beginning, you don't matter. And so this idea of I don't care if I'm in a relationship, if I'm single, I'm going to be my own damn safety net because at the end of the day, I know I got me and I cannot assure that anyone else can do that. I think that's such an important message. And as I'm listening to each of your individual stories, I can't help but realize the common thread that exists in y'all just really going against the grain of what nuestra cultura has told us is acceptable behavior, especially for women. And so I'm going to need to ask each one of you, ¿de dónde sale esos cojones, if you will? Because truly, there are so many people, and I know I can speak for myself when I say, I was so fucking worried about disappointing my parents, my family for such a long time. And I know that so many of the decisions that I made were to not disappoint versus actually making a decision that was aligned with who I wanted to be. And so now I feel like I've literally spent the entirety of my 30s undoing all of those decisions that were completely unaligned because I just got to a point where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this ain't even me. I don't even recognize who I am because I'm just living somebody else's version of what life is supposed to be. And I got tired of that shit. So where do you get the guts to just be like, nah, we ain't doing this shit the way that y'all think is quote unquote right. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. I'll have to say my parents. I think my parents for sure. They always gave me that love. They always supported me, even though they didn't understand necessarily what I was doing when I was applying to college, applying for financial aid. They didn't understand it, but they saw me. I always had that discipline, going to bed early, waking up and doing my homework. For me, it comes from being the oldest and taking care of everything, taking care and just figuring things out on my own. And if I didn't know, ask questions and make connections at network. I've always been very good at networking and not being shy. I think Vero, you mentioned my former boss at my other law firm, Bob, like I remember being in college and calling him like, Hey, remember me? I want to go to law school. What can you do for me? And just not being shy. I feel like I've said this before. I'm kind of an introvert when in social gatherings, I can't just sustain a conversation. But when it comes to contacting people, advocating for myself, I've always been that advocate. But I think it stems from my family and my parents and the love they gave me and they showed me. And then the way I was as a daughter and as a child, I was cleaning my parents' garage last Saturday or Sunday. And I found a book that says Libro de Recuerdos for my quinceañera. 
And I have all these messages from my mom, my dad, my aunts and uncles, even cousins, and they all had really nice things to say. You're a good daughter. Continue doing well in school. And at that point, I had already voiced that I wanted to be a lawyer. And my uncle wrote, continue your legal career. And I was so grateful to have found that and to have seen it. And I really believe that it was like the love that my family gave and the person that I was then that they wrote all those nice messages. And I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hold on to this because that was the love that they showed me then that allowed me to believe in myself and make that path for myself. Mm, That's really powerful. And I love the fact that your natural ability to advocate for yourself was part of what led you into the field of law, because not only can you do that for yourself, but you can do that for people who traditionally have not had that voice. So that's incredible. That is beautiful, Ceci. Thank you. Ceci's actually the most loving. I don't say this because we're partners in business and friends for over 20 years, but of all the people that I've known, of all the friends that I've had, you could tell she was raised with a lot of love because it's not complicated with her. It's pure. What you get is what you're going to get. And so I think the cajones that she has that you mentioned, it's just she has no other way but to go out there and put herself out there in love, in faith. You have it. It's authentic and genuine. Yeah. And I want to say I felt it. I didn't hear it because I didn't hear it. I never heard the words like, te quiero mucho. I love you. Like not for my parents, but I felt it. So I felt that the fact that I never heard those words didn't take away from the fact that I was feeling it throughout life. And I still do. Mm, Yeah. I love that. How about you, Irene? We have opposite journeys in that respect, which I think is cool because whatever your story is at home, it doesn't matter. My parents also love me very much, I'm sure. But my dad was too busy loving on himself to be around. And so he had a lot of families and a lot of women and he was a complicated man. So I learned early on, life takes you as a woman being a really strong woman because that was an example I had with my mom. But also I saw from her that I was afraid to turn into her. And someone can listen to this and relate, great, if it offends you, oh well. Um, I also didn't want to be my mom for all the right reasons. I felt that she had to work really hard. She struggled a lot and she took a lot of it on her kids and she was always comparing us and there was always guilt trips. And now the 40-year-old me understands that she was under a lot of stress and strain and pain. And so I could have easily repeated her example, but I was always a rebel, I think, because I didn't want to be like my mom. And I say that in a way that's like, I do want to be like my mom. I want all the courage. I want all the love. I want all the faith in God and the prayers and the manifestation but I don't want to be the victim. I don't want to be the guilt tripper. I don't want to be the angry person that doesn't believe that men can be good. And so as I was growing up, I was expected to be very independent. I was expected to have it all together, just like Ceci, not as the oldest that takes care of everything, but as the youngest, that's kind of like no one's noticing even what I'm doing. Because there was so much trauma, so much baggage, brothers dropping out of school, getting girlfriends pregnant. My sister barely got out of high school. Being the youngest of six in a family full of trauma, I didn't know any of this then, by the way. I didn't know none of this. So in my 20s and 30s, I didn't know none of this. Like, I was just a go-getter because I had to be. I had to survive. It's the hyper-independence I've realized is a trauma response to literally just always being disappointed by people. (laughs) Or always like just, shit, you got to do it on your own. If not, you're going to sink. You better learn how to swim. So that was my response my whole life. And I don't want to erase that. Like I like the go-getter in me. I like the ambitiousness in me. I think the ambitiousness in me has made me very courageous. But I did it as a response to like, dude, if you're not courageous here, you will sink. So I was often in opposition with my family and their judgment and my mom and her judgment. And to them, it's like they want to be a good girl and not go away to college and not be wild and not study abroad and not get pregnant before I got married. And and the man of my dreams, an amazing husband. My mom's prayers have been answered times a billion. But yeah, we got knocked up before we got married. There's no right way to this, baby. So that's a courageous a stance for me. That's a courage, I should say. 
to just keep going, even though I felt like a disappointment and a failure to my family, right? Because I went to college in a lot of respects because they all put that idea in me, much like Ceci. Like, well, I was the last one, girl. Like, it was birth order. It was like, well, you should do this thing. You should go to college. But I had to have the good grades. I had to have the courage to do well in college and to be a leader and to stand out. But it comes from, I think, just having to be independent at an early age and not knowing what that was at an early age. College was easy for me. High school was easy for me. I love being social. I love talking. But that's all probably a trauma response. So looking back on it now, having it all together and being charismatic was really what I probably needed to be. So I was in trouble to my crazy ass family. I needed to not be noticed and I needed to be okay. So now I'm just working on accepting that it's okay to be noticed and be okay and also not be okay. It's also okay to not have courage. It's also okay to have someone else's courage for a little while or expect them to be courageous for you for a little while. That's always hard for a person that tends to be the one that wants to be always courageous. Like sometimes you can sit back and be like, that's enough courage for now. That's enough. I'll do it. I'll stand here. I'll make the money. I'll make the decisions. I'll be big. I like to stay big, but I don't always have to be big. I don't have to be the center. I don't have to be the voice. I can step back. And I think that's really important with courage because courage is also quiet. Courage is also lonely, but in a good way. Courage is also you growing you for you to then go and do the big, bold moves that people see. But for me, my upbringing was crazy. And I think that's what gave me the big, bad balls. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. And it's so true. A lot of what we do is an exact response to the environments that we grew up in. It's a way that we cope. It's the way that we have to show up. And however that manifests for you, it's not right, wrong. It's just, that is you. And I did that shit because that's what I needed to do to survive, but it no longer serves me. You also have the option to decide, nah, I'm good. We're going to get some therapy. We're going to heal this shit. We're going to do something different. I'm going to teach my kids how not to deal with fucking trauma the way that I did. And you can always decide to be a part of that change. So yeah. Thank you for mentioning therapy. Huge proponents for it. All of us have been in therapy. Some of us are chilling with our therapist once a week, twice a month now. It really, really does help. We also have had life coaches. We're life coaches that are constantly being coached ourselves. So we don't have all the answers. We go to those that have them. So that's a really important piece. Absolutely. The school of life cannot substitute any kind of formal education, training, therapy, et cetera. <laughs> but uh, girl, I already know you're the one that I want in a fight to be next to me because I know we're going to win. <laughs> Are we going to win? Yes, Are we going to win? Yes. He's going to beat their ass. Yes. <laughs> It's so funny that you said that. It's so trippy because like I am trying to remember like where it came from. And I think along with it, you can hear my baby in the background. That's right, mom. Whoop that ass. Yeah, it's like my fourth baby. She's like, where did I get brought into? Fourth? I do. Yes. Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Girl. I'm just like, girl, my life in the last five years has changed. Yeah, I have to have some courage for that. I always think about it. And I'm like, what did I do to have this feeling of overconfidence? I don't know where it came from. But I think a lot of it, I've always been very observant. Even though I was the youngest, you know, my sister is older than me by seven years. My brother's six years. I was always closer to my brother. But the things I always heard around me, like from my brother, from my parents, we did hear the I love you. We did hear the, Tú puedes hacerlo. what do you mean you can't do this? Like, yes, you can. Do you need help? So our family was very like, there were so many things missing in our home financially in that sense. But when it came to love and support, it was never gone. I remember my brother went to Berkeley and he was like, you need to go to Cal. But he's like, you can go to Harvard if you want to. I'm like, I don't want to go to Harvard. He's like, that's it. You're coming to Berkeley. And he had this plan so that I can come out winning financially and all this stuff. But then I got accepted to Santa Barbara. And I was like, deuces Berkeley. I'm going to Santa Barbara. And my mom was like, go to Long Beach. We close by. Same thing, right? But I think about it. And when I observed my family unit, I think that's what pushed me to be that loud voice, not just for myself, 
but for the people around me. When I saw someone being treated unjustly and they were not brave enough to stand up and say something, or the people around them weren't brave enough, I stepped in. Girl, I would be on the metro. I'll be on the bus. I used to take the bus to work. I worked at Disneyland and I lived in Watts. So I was on the bus for like two hours to get to work and I would see things happening. And I'm like, is no one going to say anything? And I'm like, I learned my lesson later, control my temper. But I think I had this anger, but not because I was being wrong, but because I saw the injustices around me. Actually, like growing up in the hood is very significant. It really tailors you to who you are. I didn't become a victim of my environment. My victim really made me who I am. My environment made me a person that wants to speak up, a person that wants to make sure that things are done right, that things are not only fair, but they're done right. And thankfully, I had really loving parents. And then I was able to just be like, fuck it. We got someone's going to do it. No one else is going to do it. Fuck it. I'm doing it. I think I've lacked. It's changed as you get older because of just life. But this lack of fear for failure. Go, let's do it. Let's figure it out. And if I, if I, if I mess up, let's do it. But I think it's thankfully to a loving support system that has been there the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I really feel like when we are given access to these spaces and allowed to elevate into places where we haven't seen ourselves represented, when we do see those injustices, it's a duty for us to address them, right? Because who else is going to do it? So I love that that's your perspective on things. Now, I want to know before we wrap this up, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's listening right now that is ready to level up? And you can take that to mean whatever you want. But give us your best gem for leveling up. And we'll start with you, Ceci. Find a mentor that if you're interested in a particular type of career or a particular type of business, reach out to that person, find them, send an email. Or if you don't know that person, find someone that does and make the connection. It could be services like ours financially or even, of course, I'm going to toot our own horn, like a coach. If you don't know about coaching, book an assessment, find out what that is, but don't do it alone. Don't feel like you have to do it alone. Find that mentor, find that network and go for it. Because if you stay quiet, you're never going to learn. You're never going to know whether or not you can thrive in whatever it is that you want to level up. That could be motherhood, your career, your personal self-care. Close mouths don't get fed, honey. Oh, <laughs> very, very true. My mom loved that saying. She would also also say, el que boca tiene Roma llega. Don't be afraid to ask. It's like the equivalent of like, ask, ask, ask. Don't be embarrassed by asking. So I thank you, Vero, or Ceci, I should say, thank you for saying, ask for help. Figure out who can help you and ask for help. Along those lines, I would say that my best advice right now is just to take an inventory of who your environment is, who's in your life, who's feeding your life, who's not feeding your life, who's good energy, bad energy. That's an area that I think for me, I've learned through the years to just protect my space, protect my energy. I'm a firm believer in energy. Like I think it's everything. I like to bring it, but I also, like I said earlier with courage, it can also be quiet energy. It could be silent energy. So protect yourself because I have a lot of clients in this work that we do that are just taking care of everybody else or that have constant, constant sort of influence of what's not working for them and they need to get out. And it's that boss, it's that relationship, it's that family. I'm not saying that you need to turn your back on your family. Latinos, stay with me here. Because some Latinos are like, what are you talking about? I'm going to talk to my sister forever. I don't care that she's crazy, Haiti. There's that. And I get it. But we need within reason certain influences in our life. So the best way to level up is who is influencing you? And if you feel defeated because you're like, actually, no one, my world is negative or my job is toxic or my relationship is bad, books, 
podcast, church, honey, therapy, free services if you can't afford something that's paid. Like you need to protect your energy and your soul and your spirit. And it may not be in the form of a coach or a mentor. It may just be eliminating things in your life that do not serve you. And you can make a plan to do that. I know for some of you it's work and I'm sorry for you because that fucking sucks. When you're in a toxic work environment that you dread and you don't want to go to, like I get it. And there are tips and tricks to even being within that and saving yourself. So save yourself from all the negative energy and take inventory and try to find ways to remove it. And again, there are free resources that can help or paid coaches, of course. Preach y'all. Here for it. All right, Vero, what's your best advice? Don't be afraid to not walk the line that everybody else is walking. Do your own thing. Take your journey. Be proud of it. There's reasons. Every one of us is very different. We all have different wants, different needs, different desires, different dreams, different goals. And if you want to be realistic, you're not the person that's like my dream and you want to just say my goals. That's fine. Find the word that works for you. Live the life that fits you because we're not all the world travelers. We're not all the ones that are disciplined. We're not the ones that are okay to fight the fight. But find what's right for you and don't be afraid to live that life without that fear. You don't want to live life with regret and think like, I could have done this better or I could have done that better. It's good to reflect on things and the next time that happens, you can be better. But living life to how people expect it is not going to get you where you want to be at the end of the day. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be happy. You're not going to have that joy that everyone's talking about or that calmness that Ceci has. You need to be able to live your life at your own pace, with your own rules. You're still able to love the people around you, but you got to love you first. Mm. Here for this message, and this is just a little taste of what you will experience by being a part of the Level of Latina orbit, energy, atmosphere. So tell us where we can find you and how you can work with mujeres who are ready to level up. I'd love to jump in for that. So you can find us online, leveluplatina.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, who says Facebook? Yeah, it's on there. Instagram, at leveluplatina. On Twitter, at, at latina underscore up. I'd say for anybody who we've piqued their interest, listen to our podcast. We're all podcasts are found. Level Up Latina podcast. Very simple. You can't forget the name. Featured on Apple this month. I believe you are as well. So it's really exciting to get Really? I had no idea. How girl, nice. You know you probably, girl, you know I had you no are. fucking clue. Girl, um, so that's how big you are. She probably wouldn't even see her New York square billboard if she was walking past it. Uh, listen, yeah, greatness in the presence of greatness. So that's where you can listen to all of our free content, all of our love, all of our crazies. You can hear our first episode, which we use a cell phone and like a rinky dink mic and we had flowers and you can hear like Vettel's sun breastfeeding. It's a great first episode. Anyway, that's our podcast. It gets a little better, better quality, better editing. We grow like anything. The point in saying that is start where you are. It gets better. So listen to our podcast, come to our website. And again, if you are piqued any part of your interest, we always offer free assessments at leveloplatina.com. It's really simple. It's the first thing you'll see, a beautiful pop-up with our beautiful faces. So you get 30 minutes free just to chat, just to figure out what you are and what your next step is. We're happy to give freely. So thank you for asking where to find us. I love it. And we're going to make sure to link all of those resources in the episode show notes. So wherever you are listening to this, I want you to go click that app, subscribe right now, support the work that these amazing mujeres are doing because y'all are giving us permission to level up and I'm so fucking here for it. So thank you for what you do. Thank you. And thank you for letting us be rated R because we cannot get through a show without dropping some F-bombs, some shit bombs. So thank you for being you, honey. It's just like us. 
I had a man slide into my inbox the other day talking about, I think it'd be better if you didn't curse so much because the message is getting lost. And I'm like, first of all, the message was never for you. That's number one. Number two, I will not tolerate a man coming in my damn inbox and telling me how to do my job because my award-winning podcast is good. Okay. So let's bring that energy into the world. Let's stop letting people tell us how to fucking do what we do best. We're not here for it. Take us as we are or don't take us at all. And I think the real will recognize real and appreciate it. That's a real DEI right there. That's a real DEI. The real DEI. I can't do this world without cursing in it. I just can't, (laughs) y'all. Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Thank you so much, ladies. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.